Welcome, ladies and gents, to this, the first We're Drunk and We Know Things of the New Year. Yeah! It's 2019, maybe, which is like a really weird year. It's, is it? Well, it's not really meaningful. It's not 2020 yet. I mean, I suppose 2019, 18. Can't be any worse than 2018. Uh, I definitely can't. Uh, before we get into it, I would like to wish all of our listeners a very happy new year. Yes. Yes, you thought we were done with that. We're not. I would also like to say a huge thank you to everybody who has subscribed to, downloaded, and not listened to the podcast, because just in time for New Year's Eve 2018, at about 4pm GMT on the 31st At the literal literal 11th hour. Yes. At (laughs) 4pm. Well, no, that would literally be 11 o'clock. I know, I said. All right. Uh, We (laughs) passed uh, the milestone of 10,000 downloads. I know. And boy, are my thumbs tired. <laughs> Sorry. But no, that is amazing. So thank yeah, you. So 10,000 downloads across the entire history of We're Drunk and We Know Things, but only yeah. two. Yeah. So yeah, that's pretty fucking cool. Yeah. In the spirit of uh, continuing as we began, we're going to a movie now. <laughs> and that movie is Young Frankenstein. That's on your music, right? That's what I do. I drink. And I know things. Yes, as you say, this month we are doing Young Frankenstein. Uh, Slim Pickens, for why? No, Slim Pickens is in um, oh, right, I was Blazing say, Saddles. He, he was not in this movie. Hey-o! Uh, so yeah, Young Frankenstein. Let's get straight into it. It was made in 1974. It was. It cost 2.3 million dollars. Okay. And it made 86 million dollars. Made how much? 86 million. Oh, so it was moderately successful then. Pretty good. Yeah, they did pretty well. It was a pretty good year for him actually for Mel Brooks, directed by Mel Brooks, written by Gene Wilder and Mel Brooks. But a pretty good uh, year for Mel Brooks. He um, released Blazing Saddles and this film in 1974. Yep. So in February. Blazing Saddles came out, and then in December this came out. Um, he hadn't made a year; he hadn't made a movie for four years uh, after this. So he made producers in '67. Then and tried to do a whole bunch of serious business. Well, you know, he? he did uh, the Twelve Chairs, which is a version of a Russian literary literary novel, um, which apparently there are loads of versions of. Um, and then, yeah, shockingly, uh, couldn't get arrested, as he put it. Uh, and then four years later, decided to make two films. We didn't decide to. Well, I suppose he did. Well, he tried to make another one, couldn't find backers. Yeah, indeed. Could, was so. convinced his career was done. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so, off, so And then, yeah, came back with a bang. With a, with a massive bang. So just before um, Blazing Saddles, Gene Wilder had written down and written some notes and written Young Frankenstein at the top of a page, apparently, and written down two pages of notes. And it made Blazing Saddles and all that kind of stuff. And his agent said to him, would you like to make a movie with Peter Boyle and with Marty Feldman? Um, because he started representing all three of them at the same mm-hmm. time. So Gene Wilder said, yeah, that sounds really good. He met with them, went away and wrote four pages of, of dialogue, which included the, pardon me boy, is this a Transylvania station scene? That's so good, that joke. It always makes me laugh. Oh, can I give you a shine? It's so funny. Um, and uh, yeah, from there it was born, essentially. Wilder's agent said, "Do you reckon you could get um, you, you reckon you could get uh, Mel Brooks to direct it?" And Gene Wilder was like, "Oh, I don't really know. He, he generally doesn't direct stuff that he didn't conceive of." Um, 
but Mel Brooks said, yeah, it sounds interesting. I'll be interested in doing that, but I want to co-write the script with you. <clears throat> Gene Wilder had written a whole first draft, which they kind of, um, as he put it, knocked all the columns out of with a sledgehammer and made sure which bits stood up and which bits were good, essentially. <laughs> um, apparently the first day they came round... Um, I was going to say, before we get into uh, that, wasn't uh, because there was... Uh, Gene Wilder wasn't the original uh, star cast to play the Waco Kid in Bacon's Adults. He wasn't his first choice. No. Um, and is it not true, Michael... I, I don't that, know, I didn't research Blazing Saddles, Rob. <laughs> uh, well, no, that actually is a prerequisite to uh, Wilder playing the role, taking the role in Blazing yeah. Saddles, was absolutely, however, on the basis that we make this film... Well, no, I believe that next. was um, uh, Sherlock Holmes's smarter brother. Are you sure? Yes, because when you, mentioned that film, when you mentioned that film earlier today, I read very briefly about it on Wikipedia, and that was one of the things it said. Okay. <laughs> That doesn't seem to make much sense. <laughs> yeah, two so, seem backwards. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, so he, he said, yeah, I want to direct, though, essentially. But he'd written, he'd written three screenplays, and this is the first one that got picked up. Um, Brooks originally only came on as a co-writer and eventually agreed to be the director. But he was kind of hot shit on the, on the studio circuit because Blading Saddles was the talked-about film kind of thing. Talk of the town. Talk of the town, talk of the town. Mm. Um, and it was originally picked up by Columbia Pictures who didn't want to give him $2 million, wanted to give him $1 million, and insisted that it be filmed in colour. So Mel Brooks said, go fuck yourself. <laughs> and the producer, um, whose name is further down in my notes, and I can't remember right now. Doesn't um, matter. Doesn't matter. Took it, he's a producer, who cares? Took it over to Fox, who said, oh, we'll give you $2.3 million, and you can shoot it in black and white. And Essentially, they were what Columbia were worried about, TV resales, because when people are skipping through TV channels, they see something in black and white, They'll skip past it. The other thing they said was it won't sell in Europe because Europe doesn't like black and white fi- pictures. Which really speaks Notoriously, to... Notoriously, <laughs> yes. Which really speaks to the studios. European cinema, very anti-black and white. <laughs> yeah. The studio's really understanding their demographic and Because, I mean, areas. just to be completely clear, because we haven't covered this, have we? Uh, they wanted... Uh, Brooks wanted to shoot it in black and white yes. as a yeah, true yeah. homage to... The James, James Well movies. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So the whole movie is, is, a, is an homage to the 1911 and 1915... Bride of Frankenstein, Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein, a little bit, little bit the son of Frankenstein as well. Um, and that's down to, I mean, we'll probably get into this in yeah. a bit, so I'll shut up and let you talk. No, no, go on, no, go on. But that's down to things like the transition between the scenes. He's using yeah, he uses um, wipes. Yeah, wipes and so the first the... like three days they were filming, um, he didn't like any of the rushes. So because the DOP was just filming it in black and white, but in as though he would. In film color. a colour film. Well, a modern, a modern movie, 70s yeah, exactly. movie. So Mel Brooks said, you know, it needs to be lit like a German expressionist film, like Caligari and Osferatu and, and those kind of movies. So that involves a lot of backlighting and cross-lighting, which is the lighting behind the performers and then across to fill in the, any shadows, as opposed to behind the camera, which they are normally. Thank you for allowing me my small amount of film wankery. Well, no, I think it's good, because in this particular <laughs> case, it's directly relevant yeah, to indeed. not self-indulgent so they, wankery. <laughs> so they did have to reshoot the first three days. Um, but, I mean, I, it looks beautiful. I mean, it's shot absolutely beautifully all the way through. It, it is really weird. How I, I always forget it's set in 1974. The opening scenes are in a modern medical school. Yep. Um, probably should have quickly run over the plot, but we haven't. Uh, okay, I can give you the very quick bullet point version. Go on. Um, we Man in film. We open <laughs> Werewolf, Werewolf. Uh, a scene of Jean Mother, who is a doctor who is educating, uh, lecturing in a medical 
yeah. school of some form. Yeah, yeah, in the central nervous um, system. And his name is Doctor. I forget his forename. Frederick. Frederick Frankenstein. Frankenstein. Yeah, it is Frankenstein. Because he is Frankenstein's grandson. He's his grandson. He wants to distance himself. And he, yeah, he's completely and totally anti-Frankenstein uh, uh, to the point where he's questioned by one of his students yeah, about yeah. Frankenstein's work. He and was, he, he really loses kook. his shit. He was a kook who was interested in death. I am only interested in life. The preservation of life. Stabs himself in the leg with a scalpel. Um, yeah. And uh, he's then served with the last will and testament of his grandfather... Has to it's called like Bergamot von Frankenstein or something. Yeah, like, it's ridiculous. I, I, yeah, very weird. Um, he says goodbye to his fiancée. Madeleine Kahn. Played by the, the lips. amazing Madeleine. Not on the lips. That scene. Hair. That scene. Taffeta. Uh, Taffeta. And that scene, uh, that scene when she's trying to kiss her and she says not on the lips because of the lipstick and the hair and all that stuff. As the train's pulling away, he blows her a kiss and she ducks. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. It is superb. It's so good. Uh, he then gets on a train, gets a train from wherever he is to New York. Oh, and then, then it cuts gets from... Gets another train from... So there's a couple in the background who are clearly talking about catching their son masturbating. And they have, they then <laughs> have exactly the same, the same conversation. The same actors having the same conversation, but in, in German. German. But no, presumably Romanian. Romanian, because they're going to but, Transylvania. Yeah. Um, so it's worth pointing out that none of the Frankenstein movies are set in Transylvania. No. It's just like... For no reason It's other just than, like a Dracula thing, I guess. Yeah, yeah. a horror movie crossover. Yeah. Uh, anyway, he gets there, he gets taken up to the castle by Igor. <laughs> Igor? Igor. Oh, they told me it was Igor. <laughs> Um, then, they, then they were wrong, weren't they? Who meet, uh, he's then introduced to the secondary love interest, his blonde lab assistant, Inga. Inga. Terry uh, And, Terry uh, crap, what's her name? The matriarch of the castle. Oh, Frau, Bu- Blu- uh, Frau Blucher. Nay! <laughs> uh, every time her name is mentioned, the horses go nuts. That's mental. Um, That's and gets shipped into Creepy Castle, what have you. Finds his secret lab. Finds the secret lab of his grandfather. Finds his books. Yeah. Because one of the things that he was never sure about was how he could even do the work he did. Uh, works out how he could do the work he did, and in kind of a Shining-esque, massive change of character possession, yeah, yeah, yeah. decides, "Oh, I'm totally it going just to might work. totally going to actually do this." Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a grave robbing scene, which is hilarious. It could be worse. It could be raining. <laughs> And then he steals the brain, it's the abnormal brain. So it's very much the beast of Frankenstein. It's, it's meant to be like the brain of an amazing scientist and what yeah, have you, yeah, but really Feldman drops it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they get Martin the brain Feldman who's uh, so abnormal. Uh, Abby normal. Abby. <laughs> Abby someone. <laughs> abnormal, yeah. Uh, they put the brain in, it doesn't work. And then it does work. And then, no, it does work because he has a tantrum and yeah, yeah, just yeah. beats him on the heart, which apparently starts yeah, yeah, it. No. Uh, they're upstairs having a chat, having dinner. Yeah. Uh, the monster the uh, comes to life. Uh, comedy ensues. I think well, we can mo- round the, off the, the rest the mo- of it. The monster, the, mon- the monster escapes, but he's worth pointing out a couple of good scenes. Is that first of all, he, um, when he realizes he's alive, he captures him again because he wanders out of the castle. He captures him again and trains him. This is a good boy. This is a nice boy. And then he presents him to the scientific community. Oh, we've got a couple of bits before that because we've got before that he the monster is loose. Again, he's loosed by Frau Watsachops. Oh, he meets the um, the um, blind man, which is Gene Hackman. He meets Gene Hackman. Gets soup dumped in his lap and sets his thumb on fire. <laughs> Fires a little girl off the seesaw into bed. Yeah. Uh, and then he's recaptured. Yeah. And then he's presented to the Transylvanian scientific medical community. scientific yeah, community. Yeah. Um, uh, and apparently... Uh, uh, Young Frankenstein decided yeah. the best way to present this man's faculties. He starts with the very scientific, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then yeah, fade to black. 
Lights yeah. go down, lights come up, they're in top Tops and tails. And, tails and, canes. and doing putting on the Ritz. Yeah. Putting on the Ritz! <laughs> that is, makes me laugh every time. It's so Until, good. of course, the inevitable, because he's terribly afraid of fire. Of fire. Uh, so the, the, the bulb goes. He's also very afraid of um, uh, ridicule. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Goes on a rampage. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, all hell breaks loose. Kidnaps Madeline Carr, and it turns out he's got a massive Schwanstucker. <laughs> she sleeps, uh, sleeps with her. Which is not Romanian, by the way. Leads him back to the castle. They do a brain transfer, which leads to... For the, no reason. To, which leads to the, the monster having intelligent faculties and Baron von Frankenstein having an enormous yeah, Schwanstucker. Giant Schwanstucker. <laughs> Those are some fantastic knockers. Oh, there's so many good lines. Woof. We could literally just read out the entirety of the script. It's it's a legendary script. It is compared to um, Blazing Saddles. It's possibly a little more subtle. Believe yes, it or not, I, agree. I will actually yeah, no, say I, that. No, no, that is very true. That's very true. So there's a couple of interesting things about when they're writing the script. They had one massive argument where um, Mel Brooks didn't want the um, dance number didn't want putting on the Ritz and said it was conceited and um, they had this enormous argument who did want that ends with um, Gene Wilder insisting Wilder wanted it it, insisting that he had to be in the film and they had this enormous big argument that ended with Brooks storming out and then ten minutes later when he got home phoning him up and saying who was that madman you had in your house I could hear the yelling all the way over here you should never let crazy people in your house don't you know that they could be dangerous which was apparently his way of apologising so they met again the next day and had another argument about it. And eventually Mel Brooks just stopped and said, fine, it's in. Gene Wilder was like, well, what have we been arguing about? He just said, I don't see why it's necessary to the script. And I wanted to test how necessary you thought it was to the script. And you clearly wanted in. So it's in. It's fine. It's amazing. 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 The, the other interesting thing that I love about the script is, you know, when he goes to the Transylvania station uh, and he says, walk this way. Yeah. And he gives him the cane. <laughs> and he does. You know, it's that way. So he wanted to cut that out. Um, because he said it was a cheap joke. It is a cheap it joke. It is a cheap joke. But all the editors were like, you can't cut it out. It's fucking It's funny. fucking hilarious. And incidentally, that, that joke inspired the song. It sounds like one of my lies, and it's Aerosmith. not. It did. Honestly did. This is not Pyfall. This is not Pyfall Tower. Hand on your cock. Ha- you are not Pyfall Towering. Hand, hand on a hand on a cock. I swear to God. Uh, it, apparently Stephen Tyler watched it and the next day wrote Walk This Way amazing Yeah. you know what it's really weird just a slight uh, personal mm. sidebar because um, we have this thing in the family mm. uh, my family not sure. the mafia the family <laughs> in so I wouldn't talk about that on a podcast <laughs> um, we've made that joke as a family for as long as I can remember so good where my, my, my dad will stride off with a limp or something and yeah. walk this way and we all follow him <laughs> oh, really? so yeah it's, it's totally a bit it is a cheap joke but it's a great it's great a joke. great joke great and joke. to be honest up until that point with the exception of the couple arguing yeah. and the the, the, the pardon me boys the it's a Transylvania station you, that's uh, good it's not it needed something to a little bit of silliness it, uh, yeah. needed silliness Blazing Saddles is considerably sillier but I think that's more because it's a Mel Brooks written script with a team of writers helping whereas this is a Gene Wilder script with Mel Brooks helping if yeah. you will and okay. a lot of those funny little silly bits are a lot of Mel Brooks like getting him to do it on the day so apparently it took like 15 takes for when um, give me a hand with the give me a hand with these bags when um, Madeline Carr arrives and Marty Feldman bites her first stole yeah so apparently it took like 15 takes because they kept laughing and he says uh 
he ad libbed that thing about um, give me a hand with these bags and he says okay you take the blonde I'll take this one with the toyban and like it was just it's this. so there's a bit there's, it's really good there's doc- documentaries on the blu-ray that have got like all of the takes on it where they're wetting themselves laughing and then when you watch the actual take Gene Wilder says it looks like I'm biting my lip to stop shouting at him but he's really just trying not to laugh because they've just done it so many times. Because <laughs> every time he pulled his mouth away, he'd have fur all over his lips and like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so good, so, so good. Um, so let's talk a little bit like about the casting. This was, after Blazing Saddles, this was all a bit of a no-brainer and everyone had a lovely time and it went very smoothly because Blazing Saddles was going to be such a hit. had gone so well and mm-hmm. was so well received by the studio and stuff that there's not really any drama. So like... Madeline Kahn originally wanted to be Inga, the lab assistant, but they said, no, no, you've got to be the fiancé role, it'll be much, much funnier, which I agree with, it's fantastic. Um, Terry Gar, who plays Inga, she was a dancer on the Sonny and Cher show, but she'd never acted before. It shows. Uh, sure. But her mum was the wardrobe mistress for the film. Amazing. So she got an audition. So he came in and did it, and they said, you've got the right look. Well, that's it. She basically has to be a dumb blonde. Yeah, so you've got the right look, but can you do a German accent? So the next day she came in and was like, yeah. And they were like, yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, so that's how she got the role. Um, apparently, for their costumes, uh, Mel Brooks kept saying, I need you to show as much cleavage as possible. But really a sign of 1974. To be fair, off the back of uh, Blazing Saddles... It is relatively tame, Just isn't think it? of your secretary. Yeah, indeed. Um, Gene Hackman, who plays the blind guy... Yep. <laughs> the Blind Hermit um, actually asked Gene Wilder at a party I hear you're all making another film can I be in it I want to be in it amazing and he meant like he just wants like a bit part um, but when they he were writing the script scene. They, they, when he realised they need a Blind Hermit that's why they, they, they asked him he's so good in that as well lighting the finger in, when he um, me a blind man and you a mute a massive a huge a big very <laughs> big mute <laughs> big mute so good um, Kenneth Mars who is in the producers, he and in Blazing specifically Saddles. in the producers, he plays the actor who plays Adolf Hitler, right? Whose name I can't remember. LSD. Yeah. Yeah, of yeah. Of course. Yeah. Oi. No, no, no. He plays the German, Franz Lieberman. Sorry, you're right. He plays yeah, yeah. the guy who writes. Yeah, he writes the yes. writes the script. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he's the inspector who is amazing with his wooden hand. The cheating at darts thing. Yeah. Is brilliant. Um, apparently, he came up with the wooden hand. And the, the, he was so unhinged on set to the point where they had to keep rewriting the script for scenes to accommodate the fact that he was playing it as such a nutter. Um, and yeah, I mean, like I say, it just kind of didn't write itself, but it cast itself because it was all these people that they worked with before. They were a team of people that worked well together, that knew they worked well together. So it was just a no-brainer for the casting. Okay, I'm just say other moments that are genuinely laugh out loud funny. After the dart scene, where yeah. he comes outside and gets into the car... And oh, the and car the is just line, yeah. studded with dust. Yeah, yeah, and the tyres are flat. There must be 50 of yeah. them. So Mel Brooks, Gene, Gene, Hack, Gene, Gene Wilder said, um, I'll write this movie and I want you to direct it, but you're not allowed to be in it because it will detract from the fact that we're trying to do like a serious parody, if you will. Like, it will be a Mel Brooks movie once you're in it. So Mel Brooks is in it a couple of times, but only He's vocally. in it three times? Uh, yeah, I believe so, yeah, yeah. So he's the cat... When he throws the dart and it goes off screen the first yep, time. And you hear a cat going, Meow. That's Mel Brooks behind the camera shouting the cat yep. noise. He's the voice of Baron Frankenstein. When they find the book. When they find the book. Uh, and he's reading dialogue from the James, Wells, James, James Whale movie. Um, and what's the third one? He is uh, the carriage ride from the station where they say, uh, 
they hear a wolf. Oh, yeah, He's yeah, yeah. the wolf. Oh, is he the wolf? And then Inga says, werewolf. That's and so Marty Feldman says, wolf, there wolf. What's, what's so good about that is that joke keeps going. So he says, why are you talking like that? And he's like, I don't know, I thought you wanted to. Like, it keeps going. It's so good, it's so good. So, as I say, it's meant to be a hilarious set. Everyone's loving, having a good time, all that kind of stuff. Um, Michael Griskoff, who is the producer, that's the producer I could remember the name of earlier, um, was chucked off set after like three days because he kept laughing behind camera and ruining takes. So he was just banned from set. They had to replace cameramen because they kept laughing, sat on their seats, and the cameras, and the camera would shake, the camera would shake because they were laughing so much. So I don't know if that's a real thing, but I mean, it, it seems like it might right. be. It, I mean, watching the movie, it certainly seems like it would be. It's so funny. I mean, the trouble is that even if you take, you know, Wilder's ultimate but slightly deranged straight man, yeah, yeah, yeah. anything with Marty Feldman in it, yeah. Anything at all. When Luke enter the lab and he's walking through and it's all the skulls and then his head in the last one. I ain't got nobody. But in order for that gag to make sense, he's got to have found his way into the lab on his own. Oh, yeah. So he just goes, how did you get down here? And he goes, oh, follow the music. <laughs> Wait, okay, don't think about it. Don't think about it. I mean, the, the, the whole scene with the lip puts the candle back with the revolving bookcase is amazing. So talking of the revolving staircase... Bookcase, thank you. Bookcase, there is a revolving, not revolving, but it's a circular staircase. But anyway, the revolving bookcase. The sets are built by Del Hennessy, who was given completely free reign. <coughs> excuse me, uh, given given completely free reign to do whatever he wanted. So he didn't even show them sketches. They just said, "Build us something that's like the James Wells movies from the tens, and we'll be happy." They are amazing. They are. Didn't he source? Elements so, from... Yeah, so so the, the, in the lab, all the props are the original props from Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, Son of Frankenstein. But the sets themselves, he built with, a, with an eye on those films. But they said that, like, when he built, like, the ballrooms and stuff like that, like, it had a ceiling. Like, it had... It was like a full... They built a full self-contained room. And they're lit really amazingly. So when it's... At the beginning of every scene, is an establishing shot, which is really gloomy to like uh, set the tone of this gloomy castle. But when you look at the close-ups, they're lit really brightly so that, because comedy is lit brightly, as Mel Brooks insists, so it's so that you can see the jokes and see their yeah. reactions and that kind of stuff. But he sets the tone every time by giving these big establishing shots of these beautiful big giant sets, which if you look at it in the background and look at the molding and stuff like that, they're really intricate, they're really, really beautiful. Really, really beautiful. Did he do the exterior work? So the exterior work is the Fox lot. So the interior are Columbia sets, because they'd finance the sets and they were rented by Fox. And then Fox was actually an exterior, um, like, like not medieval, but like uh, old village, essentially. Their standard old village set. Ye oldie village. Ye oldie village set, exactly. Amazing. Exactly. It's probably in Disneyland somewhere now and you can walk around it, I'd imagine. Um, in Disneyland in Florida, there's like, D Disney World, sorry. There's like different countries at different towns and villages in it. So there's like Germany and then China and stuff like that. And it's like a really stereotypical village of each one, but it's like being on one of those old film sets. It's really weird, just an aside. The only other effect in the film really is the glowing head of Frankenstein. So you know when they bring him to life? Uh, yeah. Oh, no, no, sorry. Yeah, when they bring him to life and at the end when they do the brain transfer and the skeleton glows Does it? inside his head. 
like he's being electrocuted. Oh, right, right? yes, sorry, yes, so you can see not, his skull. Yeah, you can see his skull, yeah. So that's not an overlaid thing on Peter Boyle. That is a, plas- a plastic cast of Peter Boyle's head that is built out of white plastic, which has got a metal skeleton head inside it with a light bulb. So that when they film it, when you see that the skeleton shape inside the head, that's a practical effect. They turn the light on and it lit up the shadow of the skeleton through the plastic head. You think that's really cool? I always thought it was like a skeleton projected onto Peter Ball's face. It's a cast of his head. Amazing. It's really cool. Really, really cool. But very few effect shots, unsurprisingly, for 1974 in this film. It would be a bit weird if because they were trying to make a, a love letter to those Frankenstein films as much as they were parodying them so yeah would have been a bit weird would have been a little bit weird um, of course the only other famous piece of prosthetics is Marty Feldman's hump yes yes I could help you with that hump I'm, I, I'm quite a gifted surgeon what hump um, so didn't that, didn't that used to be on the- <laughs> yeah so on that apparently for about a week of filming he kept switching sides just to see if anyone noticed so, like, continuity looks like it's off. So then when they realised, they were like, that's fucking hilarious. We're putting that in the film. So that's why that joke's in it. It's because he'd been switching sides on it just because nobody noticed because they're like, yeah, it's got a hump, I guess. So good, so good. So uh, the other thing we should mention is how good the music is. Yes. So it's John uh, Morris. Who, who is long-time collaborator with... Yeah, so he worked for him for, like, 67 to 91, basically. Yeah. Did all of his films until 91. Um... And it is amazing. On the Blu-ray, there's a, a version of the film you can watch that's just the score with no dialogue. And it really is really amazing. Like, the violin piece and stuff is really, really good. I know at one point they play Ave Maria, but um, the violin piece and stuff like that are really, really beautiful. Are you about to tell me he didn't write it? And it is, no, um, no, 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 he did, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, no, it was more also, he was... His brief was, as with all of the, this movie... I want it to sound like a 30s Frankenstein movie. Yeah. But, I mean, between this and Blazing Saddles, I mean, the music in that is amazing as well. Like, he had these things, these genres, nailed down so well that he he doesn't... Like, the music's not a parody, right? The music has to be legit, like it could be, from what you say. I mean, that's the thing, is Blazing Saddles, the lyrics are parody. The music is legit. Yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. Um, And the other thing that this uh, movie does, if you've only ever watched Blazing Saddles and haven't watched this... Uh, Madeleine Kahn can really sing. Oh my God! When she sings, she sings that song in this. You sat yep. at the mirror singing. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, really amazing. She really belts it out. Yeah. Um, Considering that her entire bit in Blazing Saddles is as somebody who is tone deaf. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. She sings with a German accent and stuff as well, doesn't she? So yeah, yeah. Um, and my last bit, which is a bit I really love, is when they were editing. Um, they would finish a reel. And Mel Brooks would go and get all the secretaries off of the Fox lot and do a showing and see how see where they laughed and then go back and re-edit it and then show it to him again and see where they laughed. Because he wasn't interested in where the studio heads laughed because the studio heads will laugh or laugh where they think they should laugh and that yeah. kind of, you know what I mean? He wanted he actual wanted honest reactions. Yeah, exactly. He wanted actual honest, honest to God audience members to kind of, um, which is not a thing, like in modern Hollywood it's like, they do focus groups and then they get psychologists to like they seriously they do this yeah, they get psychologists to analyse their answers to questions and why they felt like that and about which demographic it's gonna not just did it get a laugh or not which is why Walk This Way is in there because it got a laugh so Mel Brooks went well I can't in good conscience take yeah. it out because everybody laughs whether he likes it or not you know makes me fall over laughing every time uh, it was only nominated for uh, two award, uh, two um, 
Oscars. Uh, unlike my films, that have been nominated for loads, apparently. Uh, best well, sound. I mean, to be honest, pretty much you, you put your account on Instagram and it's <laughs> yeah. a shoo-in for best yeah, picture. absolutely, yeah. Uh, look at all them pizzas. Um, best sound and best adapted screenplay, nominated for both but didn't win either. Um, it won an absolute load at the Saturn Awards, which I didn't know were a thing in the 1970s. What are the Saturn So they're like Awards? a sci-fi and horror awards. They're okay. like... But I didn't know they were around 40-odd years ago. Maybe they founded them just to heap accolades (laughs) upon this movie. Yeah, yeah, Cloris Leachman was nominated for a um, a WGA award, uh, sorry, Golden Golden Globe award, um, for Best Supporting Actress, even though she has way fewer lines than Terry Garr. But her lines are, Yes, he was my boyfriend! (laughs) I mean, it's so, so, so good, so good. And that whole, sorry, that whole bit where it's like, Brandy before bed. So that's her improvising, apparently. Warm, warm milk. Ovaltine. Yeah, yeah the that's her. It, it's really good in the in the outtakes when you see her break, or corpse as they call it in film, not break. That's in improvised comedy. I suppose it is breaking. It's yeah, corpsing. But yeah, <laughs> but um, she's got like a real thick Midwestern American accent. So when she switches from the German, the German in inverted chorus, it's very unsettling. Like yeah, it's very good. It's very very good. So that brings us really to what will probably be a bit larger than normal, which is the legacy of this movie. Recommendations? Legacy? Legacy recommendations? I think do legacy first, because All right, well, yeah, recommendations okay, will come out of the legacy. It's going to take a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, hi. So, uh, hey, oi, hey. so this and Blazing Saddles basically invented parody films, right? This is before Airplane, that was 1980. Uh, I don't know, did they? Because they're not parody. They are comedic homage, which is subtly different. Oh, I think Blazing Saddles is, is definitely a parody of westerns. Um, I think. Oh, okay, okay. I'm, so, I'm okay, sorry. Let, I'm, I'm kind of shaking my head again. Let, works let's incredibly not well. Use the term parody then, but it certainly paved the way for the Zucker Brothers, like Airplane, Naked Gun, that kind of stuff. It's certainly. Yeah. I mean, born I think out of that. It's to a, the degree that. To my yeah. mind, it's a cheaper version, but. Okay. To be fair, yes. In insofar as they are parodies. I think maybe I get a bit hung up on the, the semantics. Um, yes, fair. But like Spaceballs, that's a parody. Oh, that's 100%. <laughs> that's not got any... It's, it's Specifically this film, I almost think it's... It's not, because it doesn't parody any of the elements that make the genre the genre, if that makes sense. Right, okay. Um, it, is it plays funny. into the tropes without mocking them. Yes. Sure. Whereas the uh, Blazing Saddles, you get the whole... Randolph Scott moment which is a full yeah, that's like yeah. both barrels yeah, yeah, yeah. you get the riding off into the sunset only to get into a limo yeah. um, there's all sorts of bits that are genuinely parodied yeah, yeah, yeah. whereas yeah. there isn't much parody in Young Frankenstein it, it's, it's this is much more of a loving homage perhaps yes it? and it's very funny yeah. but not a parody however oh, that's fair that's fair it was directed by Mel Brooks yeah. who then went on to master the parody yeah, of yeah, everything. Yeah. Men in Tights. I watched Men in Tights again a couple of weeks ago, and actually, it's funny. It's nowhere near as good as any of these movies, but no. you know, it's really, really, it's very, very funny. Yeah, I mean, there are some great bits in it. Um, I mean, the producers. I mean, that was much earlier than this. That's not really a parody so much as it is a satire of Hollywood or satire of theatre. Yeah. You know. Um, hilariously, um, you know that um, he schlepped the producers for about I think it was eighteen months because he couldn't find any producers for the movie. Oh, really? <laughs> He couldn't raise money to that. make it. That's amazing. I didn't know that. Um, 
of course, it was turned in, Young Frankenstein was turned into a musical in 2007 by Mel Brooks. Yep. Um, he'd already turned the producers into a musical years and years and years yep. before, 2001, I think. Um, so that, uh, the producers earned him his Tony, which is why he's an EGOT winner. So he got a Grammy for the producers, an Oscar for the producers, a Tony for the producers, the musical. What did he get the Emmy for? I don't know now. Uh, he did... Uh like an episode of something was it a TV he, no episode? he did he did two TV series and he did a later one after his resurgence and I can't right, remember what okay. it's called okay. it might have been that right or okay. it might have just been because well Brooks you're awesome give him an Emmy yeah. yeah well a lot of EGOT winners have are, are EGOT holders because they've got an honorary one not because yeah. they've won one outright otherwise the ones that have really won one are score composers if because, you know, you know dear listener please write in and tell us Whoopi we're Goldberg. available She's got one. on uh, what really Whoopi Goldberg's got an EGOT Yep. Okay. She's got a daytime Emmy though, so. Daytime Emmy. Webs, webs. So in terms of legacy, <laughs> what else have we got? I mean, come on. It, I, I've got a couple that aren't on your list. Okay, go, go ahead. On. No, no, go ahead. I mean, the whole um, taking the movie back into black and white, re-embracing yeah. previous forms of shooting a film. Right. Is something that was lifted again and again and again. Yeah, sure. No, that's um, very true. Right the way up to the point where, fair enough, it's normally a film nerd thing to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the nicest possible way. Yeah. You've got Tarantino and The Hateful Eight shooting yeah, it in... Yeah, 70 mil. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Which was ridiculous and yeah. very expensive and very self-indulgent and yeah. amazing. Um, What's the Steve Martin movie that's in black and white? Is that Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid? I don't know. Hate Steve Martin. Sorry. Really? Yeah. He and okay. I do not get along. Okay. Okay. No. Let's move on from that one. That's a different conversation. Might, uh, we might need to, to be fair. Steve Martin might be in uh, due for a revisit. Yeah. Because until we did uh, the Christmas thing with yeah. uh, what have you, where we watched National Lampoon's Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course, yeah. Um, I actually used to genuinely think I disliked National Lampoon's. Oh, really? Okay. I think I may have matured to the point where I can enjoy it. Yeah. But there's some there's very, very there's good a lot Steve of Martin very bad Steve Martin. Oh yeah. Oh no. And it's the same with Chevy and Chase. He was I mean, everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Well, there's a lot of very bad Mel Brooks as well. Spaceballs in point. Excuse me? Spaceballs is bad. Wash your mouth out. Spaceballs is brilliant. I enjoy Spaceballs, but it is bad. The Druidish Princess? It's <laughs> I like Spaceballs fine, Spaceballs but it is a bad Spaceballs is film. brilliant. But the, I, I mean, I, must, I do love the Mog. John, John Candy. Candy is so good, yeah, admittedly. The fact that they're so in good. basically a Winnebago version of the Millennium Falcon and like for Pizza no reason. Like the Heart and stuff like that is... It's amazing. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry, if you're going to take a joke and you take every joke you can find... Okay, then I'll tell you what is bad. Is Dracula dead and loving it? Uh, yeah. That's like a lot of Leslie uh, Nielsen doing fart jokes. No, you would think Leslie Nielsen and Mel Gibson. Oh, my God. Mel Gibson. It's Mel Brooks. Shit. Um, what was the other vampire comedy? Um, vampire in New York. Vampire in Brooklyn with Eddie Murphy. No. I can't remember what it's called. It's like, um, it's something bite. Oh, it's like Vampire Suck. No. That's in the 2000s. That's no, like it's, a it's, parody of It's, it's in the uh, late 80s, yeah. early 90s. Uh, but it has this amazing moment where they mix the coffins up and Dracula gets delivered rather than to where he expects to go. He gets yeah. delivered to this um, uh, Harlem funeral. Right. And the preacher is up there giving it everything and he yeah, says, yeah. And if I am wrong and God does not truly love us, may the dead rise again! Right. At which point, of course, the lid goes up, up, he sits up, and, sits up and he looks oh, around, that is. and everybody freezes. I'll mm. look it up. We'll mm. Do it in a minute. Uh, but he looks around the room, mm. and just says, what? 
This is not the lobby of the Park Plaza Hotel. <laughs> and then everybody screams, they're jumping yeah, out of windows yeah, yeah. and what have you. Yeah. Love at first bite, I think. Love at first bite. It's I'll look it terrible. Up. Yeah, I doubt it. But it, it has some awesome. amazing moments. I will look it up. I will look it up. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I say, legacy outside of other Mel, Mel Brooks movies, I do think you should watch things like Airplane and Naked Gun and stuff like that. Yeah. They're a bit different, but they are, they are still very, very, very loving. Something that made me think of uh, is... Um, Baba Hotep. Have you ever seen that? No. It's Mel Gibson. So. Uh, Mel Gi- Why do I keep saying Mel Gibson? It's Bruce Campbell in an old, in an old age pensioner's home with Ozzie Davis, who's an elderly uh, African-American gentleman, black gentleman. And Ozzie Davis thinks he's JFK, but they um, died in black to hide him. He wasn't really killed and they died in black. And Bruce Campbell is Elvis. He's convinced he's Elvis. He switched lives... So as far as you're concerned in the film, he is. So he switched lives with an impersonator when the life got too much. And um, they switched places. And then uh, there was an accident that blew up the contract with the only proof. And then the guy had a heart attack and died on the toilet. And he couldn't prove that he was really Elvis. So he fades into obscurity and ends up in his old people's home. Uh, This is, stick with me. They're in old people's home and a mummy attacks the old people's home and is sucking the life out of people through their buttholes. And... um, it's like an homage to all those like 30s horror movies, except it's, um, to, to, as far as you're concerned, an elderly JFK and Elvis fighting a mummy. And it is, it is very, very funny. It's directed okay. by Don Coscarelli, who did all the, um, their movies with the metal balls with the spikes in. Shit. Them ones. Yeah, let's move on. No idea. So, recommendations. Well, this kind of feeds out of legacy, and this is going to get even broader. So let's run through uh, anything by Mel Brooks. Yeah. We've already done them. Yeah. Specifically, I would suggest the more, if you really enjoy this, watch the more Blazing Saddles sympathetic. Yeah. Don't watch Blazing Saddles, you've already watched it. Don't watch right. Spaceballs, you've already watched it. Right. Uh, definitely watch the producers, the original, yeah, 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 not yeah. the remake. Yeah, yeah. Um, feel free to watch the remake, but... Seriously. The producers, the, the original, it, it's, I love it. I loved it when I watched it. I never watched it before. I watched it last week for the first time. I really, really loved it. And, um, but for the first like 45 minutes, or you're like, this is funny. This is very funny. There is and then a- they start staging the play. Yeah. And it is like, oh, this is the most funny thing I've ever seen in my whole life. It, there yeah, is, is an amazing moment I actually picked up on in Basing Saddles where yeah. um, uh, ahead of um, her scene, where she's in the dressing room warming up. Yeah. Um, and Hedy Lamar comes in. What she's actually <laughs> humming to warm up her voice right. is. Da, 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 da. Oh, she's really? humming Springtime for Hitler oh, really? from the producers. Oh, I and it's that. so fucking subtle. Yeah, that's good. But yeah. I like so, that. okay, I really watch like it. Yeah, just for that. Yeah. Watch Breaking Saddle. Yeah, no, it's so it. good. Um, just when Mel Brooks' first scene as the governor, it just makes me laugh so much. Comes out with this trap. Because the president in the Spaceballs is a similar kind of thing. He's less... But not as good. He's less goofy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And that's to his detriment. To, yeah, to his detriment, 100%. But I just love the... Um, <laughs> help me in with this. Just think of your secretary. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the other thing you should watch, if you, if you liked the, um, the way this film looks, then yeah. you should watch Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein. Yep. Bride of Frankenstein is one of the greatest films ever made. It's made in 1915, and the camera movement in that film is disturbing. It looks like it was made this year. Like, it looks so contemporary. It is unbelievable how good and how sympathetically towards the monster and that kind of stuff it's made. I cannot, cannot recommend it high enough. Then watch Frankenstein, then watch Son of Frankenstein, then watch 
Phantom of the Opera with uh, Lon Chaney Jr. Then watch The Mummy with Boris Karloff. Then watch uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon. Then watch Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein's monster. Don't watch that one. No? No. But yeah, so all the Universal Monster movies, if you like how this movie looks, get involved because they are... Don't be put off by the fact that they are more than 100 years old. Just fucked up now I say it out loud. Shit. <laughs> I remember at the cinema. No, I don't. Um, but yeah, don't be put off by the fact they're 100 years old. Go and watch them. They are incredible. So, um, right, Wilder. Stir Crazy. I like that movie. Um, what's the one where he's blind? See no evil, hear no evil. Yeah, that's equally bad. So those, those, the Richard Pryor movies that he made, yeah. yeah. I mean, Stir Crazy with the no shit is amazing. I like the beginning of See No Evil, Hear No Evil. My mum loves that. She doesn't listen to this. Uh, but. When um, Richard Pryor is he's blind and he keeps pretending to just find, just be finding out that he's black. What are the boys at the club going to say? <laughs> it's good. Uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yes. Or Willy Wonka. Willy Wonka. And and I can't remember which way around I think it's called Charlie and Chocolate Factory. Um, um, you should watch um, uh, Sherlock Holmes's... Smarter, Smarter brother. brother, which apparently was not directed by. Yeah, indeed. So it's the, we were talking about. So but it's does have cast. most of the same cast. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I suppose leads us on to Madeline Kahn. By and large, did she do anything? I don't really beyond, know. I, I mean, really she was huge. She did kind of a lot of comedy, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know masses about her. No. Um, Feldman. I mean, Feldman opens the floodgates because if you like his particular brand of comedy, watch anything with Marty Feldman, including yeah, his yeah. TV show. Yeah, yeah. For which he did win an award. I can't remember I which one, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, the BAFTA, yeah, BAFTA. And by and large, he okay. feeds into all of the very. Yeah. The thing that the gets goodies. me about this is he was a direct. How the fuck did Brooks find him? How did Wilder find him? Because so he was our side of the pond. So he got an American agent. So that's what it was. He got an American agent, and Peter Boyle. Uh, Marty Feldman and Gene Wilder all had the same agent and his Which agent said amazing. you should be in a film with Marty Feldman and Peter Boyle they're like at the top of their powers you know Peter Boyle his best man at his wedding was John Lennon Jesus <laughs> it's so weird the dad from Malcolm in the Middle this is who we're talking about his best man was John Lennon <laughs> so good um, Malcolm in the Middle no, not Malcolm in the Middle. Everybody loves say, Raymond. I thought Malcolm in the Middle was Brian dad Cranston. was Brian Cranston. I mean, everybody I loves that Raymond. Was everybody loves Raymond is what I mean. I've yeah. had a few beers, so I won't lie to you. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so Feldman is tricky because you've got to pick your way through because, to be honest, the Brits made a lot of shit comedy. But then you end up in Monty Python and stuff like that. And yeah, you know basically, I mean? yeah. Uh, it's just follow the nonsense. Um, other than that, I'm trying to think in terms of similarly modern we've talked about Hot Shots we've talked about that's it it's basically Hot Shots is all the Zucker Brothers as well right so it's like Top Secret is probably their best yeah, film yeah. with Val Kilmer that's amazing I'm just trying to think if there's anything that's anything else well there's all those I mean they had that re-rave of the 2000s there's been a resurgence but I mean there must be one that we're missing well if you like a throwback to like German expressionist camera work and the lighting, and specifically. The, yeah, exactly, especially specifically the and lighting. The, the, the attention to detail in the set building. Yes. Um, and and, and the, on, the concept of the ensemble sarcasm. And the theme of whether you're born a monster or made a monster. Absolutely. It's got to be Event Horizon. So that brings us to our reviews. Our reviews. Our reviews. And what are we rating out of? One five. to five. Neck bolts. No, they come in pairs. 
And also he doesn't have a neck bolt, he has a zip. He has a zip, yes. <laughs> it does, he has a zip, of course. Ah, <laughs> oh, it's a zipper neck. Five Schonstuckers. Now that's a little bit on the nose, perhaps. I, I think we can go with five Schonstuckers. Five Schonstuckers, okay. I'm How many Schonstuckers would you stuck in the shawn of this film? <laughs> I'm going to give it... I'm going to give it four Schonstuckers. Which is a pretty big Schonstrucker. Why doesn't it get five? It doesn't make me laugh as much as Blazing Saddles or the producers. Fair. It's amazing, but the producers gets five. So this is that that is better than this. So, from a filmmaking point of view, it's probably the best one of the ones I've watched recently. Arguably, his I'd say arguably his best film. Okay. In terms of filmmaking, but. I, I just laugh at blazing In terms blazing of photography, sadly. in terms of setting... Yeah, and lighting and that kind oh, of stuff. I think, uh, you know, technically, it's the best put together. The made me most love, perhaps. But I think... I just think... I, I mean, I just makes uh, the producers and Blazing Saddles just make me laugh more. I'm trying to work out if I want to settle on four or if it gets knocked. I think it's 3.75. 3.75 Sean Stuckers. So three... So For a couple of reasons. Three, a shaft and no helmet. <laughs> Yee. A nasty industrial accident. <laughs> this is why you should always make sure the seat is down before yeah, you approach. Yeah, it's true. Uh, or up, one of the two, firmly up. Um, I agree with the comedy, although I do. I enjoy the comedy. I enjoy the subtlety. Yeah. Um, I enjoy the fact that I didn't have to caveat caveat this when uh, I watched with uh, my wife. We watched Blazing Saddles. I didn't yeah. have to before we went into. It, I was like, this was made of a time. For sure, a time, yeah, yeah, yeah. you will hear things, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they will make jokes. It's very yeah. important to understand that he can make these jokes because yeah, of who yeah. he is yeah, and yeah. who his people are. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. cannot make these jokes. Yeah. Anyway, um, it doesn't require that. At the same time, it is not as funny. It's not as roll off your table. Well, I don't think it's as meant. Funny. It's not meant, it's not meant, to, meant, to, be, not meant no, to be. But it's funny. at the same time, it is fundamentally a comedy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I yeah, love oh, the. Yeah. I, I love all the setting. I love all the production. I do. With the best one in the world, find certain elements of the uh, homage to be right. limiting. Okay. In terms of, can you give me an example? There was a bit of me that wonders what this film would have been if they actually, rather than being so strictly, we are making a modern thirties film. Yeah, yeah. Had they actually done a thirties influenced modern film? Okay, so not in black and white, not in... Maybe, I don't know. Yeah. It's difficult, because they're never going to make it, it's never going to be Because it does made, feel weird when they're in 19... Well, well, and I think of when they're in 1974, when they're in the medical school. It feels like it's 1974, but then when they go to the castle... Maybe it's just, to be honest, it may well be that I have to get over my own kind of uh, prejudice, because mm. it's things like, you look at these days, if people shoot in black and white, it's because yeah. it was their first movie, they were doing it on the cheap. Yeah, Lights yeah. of Clarks and Pie. Or it's the... Or it's the actual... Actually, it's the, or it could be the very polar opposite, like... Um, Roma that's just come out this year which is in stark beautiful crisp black and white but that's for artistic reasons which is fair Um, I don't know I just kind of get the feel that in some ways it's almost a little bit hamstrung by its own yeah yeah uh, no, dedication to the bit. I mean, I definitely uh, forget also, that it's meant to be set in a modern day, so it stops being about well, that Frankenstein's it's grandson not. about 20 That's minutes the thing, in. Is it's it's not. But it stops being about his grandson 20 minutes in, and is just the story of Frankenstein. Okay, you get people Which the mob fine. carry shotguns rather than pitchforks. Okay, yeah. But fair. other than that, yeah. there is, and there's a motor car. 
Like, oh, well, yeah, 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 there's one car. Yeah, other yeah. than that, there is nothing that requires this to be set yeah. when it's set. It's, it's almost a, a moot point, right? Yeah, it's like a conceit um, at the beginning that's unnecessary. It could just be a remake of Frankenstein, it would be fine. Or it, it, it could have been... I mean, it, does, it's t- it could have been timeless, very yeah, yeah. easily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing is, I, I love Marty Feldman. He is very funny. I do feel that his initial appearance in the movie is... It's a bit. They. It's a bit OTT. They overuse him. How do you mean? I mean that Feldman is Feldman. Yeah, yeah. And they make no attempt to even dial that in, even remotely. Yeah, which means yeah, yeah, yeah. You've gone from a very subtle build with Wilder being incredibly Wilderish yeah. to the He's point very where 100% turned up. I know what you mean. Yeah, and the bits like his head in the bookcase stuff, whilst funny. I'll take you out of the film a little bit. Maybe. But it's even before that. It's you get and, and the fact that um, maybe it was stylistic or mm. maybe it was just a highlight. But they push in really close on the fact that he's got boggly yeah, eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like okay. well, at one point they make a joke, don't they? Damn your eyes, and he says, "Oh, too late." <laughs> too like, late. Yeah. Um, which I do think that is like as cheap goats jokes go. It's he might have gotten a laugh, I suppose. He was like, "Oh, we've got this guy. He looks funny. Let's make the most of it." Apparently, he was it's ridiculously pro- prolific with women. Oh yeah, well, he was an unbelievable womanizer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's fucking hilarious. So, yeah. for that reason, 3.5. 7.5. 3.75. So, it's gone down. You've talked yourself out of a, a uh, 0.25 of a Schwan Three there. and three, three and three quarters. <laughs> oh. All right, well, that very neatly brings us to one star reviews. It's Amazon one star reviews. So, one star reviews. There's only three. Well, there's only three that aren't the Blu ray shit, as always. This one is from A Coward. Not even funny, plain stupid from December 2016. Woeful! Absolutely woeful. Not even funny, woeful. Somebody's got day, word of day toilet paper. Plain stupid. Mel Brooks should hang his head in shame. I have listed this for sale. To share the joy, I <laughs> yeah, guess? Super weird. You can sell it then. Mel Brooks should hang his head in shame. Not even, I mean, that's not even constructive criticism. That's just... Ah! Okay, fine. It's based on which element of his other work? <laughs> I know. What did you see before that? Mm. That you were like, this isn't for me. Oh, There's too on. much toilet humour. Did you get it mixed up with Mel Gibson? Yeah, maybe he's been doing what I've been doing the whole podcast, yeah. Even Khan can't save it. This is by Two Gradies from October 2016. I took a chance because I love Madeline Khan. I lust. This movie was so horrible, I could barely cringe through ten minutes. I fear I'll never know how it ends. To be honest with you, mate, you don't know how it starts. You've watched ten minutes. We say this time and time again. Watch a whole film. Or don't watch review a whole, it. Yeah, yeah. Don't review it. And the last one is by Cavity Killer, which I pray to God is means he's a dentist. Otherwise, it's just gross. Undisputed king of overrated. I'm trying to reconcile <laughs> those things, yeah. but he's undisputed I... and he's a king. Maybe but he's I an can't undisputed king of being overrated. overrated. I guess so. Is that a win? Uh, yeah. I'm not sure. This is from July 2010. Maybe I can't appreciate this in its historical context. It was only 40 years ago, but all right. Maybe it just has an age well. It's aged very well. That's why it's still considered a classic. Here's an example of a gag from this film. Werewolf, werewolf. If you think that's funny, you'll love this. If you think that's funny, it's because you're alive. That's funny. To be fair, the bit that he sampled out of context is not funny. Yeah, but, but out of in context, the context of yeah. the film, 
It wasn't pain- it wasn't painfully bad. Right? So okay. I sat through the entire movie and didn't feel the slightest urge to smile, let alone laugh. Nope. Just watched it and dutifully noted the lame attempts at wordplay. So you sat there and noted them down? Definitely a dentist. You're writing the worst essay of all time. I know I'm in the minority here, but hey, that's my opinion. And if we could briefly sojourn back to our... (laughs) Skip forward, rather, onto our social media episode. That is what is wrong with social media. (laughs) I should mention that Cavity Killer does give a lot of five five stars to um, a lot of Magic the Gathering novels and Gundam action figures. Not a dentist. Unless he's a 15-year-old dentist. Unless it's like a Doogie Howser situation. To be fair, where he's like a 15-year-old I mean, Magic dentist. the Gathering's been around for a while. It's true. It's true. He's really not a lot of 15-year-olds into that anymore, is no, it? No, they're all about Snapchat. And... Maybe he should lose his virginity and then watch it again. <gasps> oh, snap! And there we have it. Young Frankenstein, brought to you by We're Drunk and We Know Things. We liked it. Those people didn't. What a bunch of pricks. Because they're morons. <laughs> yeah, they're simple people. You know, you know, morons. <laughs> uh, we have been recording in JB's smokehouse. We have actually, again, I suppose the brisket might have been smoked. But yes. Smoked. We have had smoked food. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. Probably too much. Apologies for the low energy podcast this month, I am. Here's, here's a fun fact. If I've you want to get a weird look, order a salad in a smokehouse. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Right, can we barbecue it? No. No. We've been drinking, well, everything. I'm on Hell's craft lager at Hell's the moment I'm still on Dutty Tiny Rebel Dutty yeah uh, we were produced by somebody who's since buggered off he's done so one he's, he's literally he left before we even started recording I think recording he might have this lost episode. left the country you think oh, I think he actually might have oh, no, not yet. he was a good one anyway um, we'll be back next month yes with the last Maybe not the last ever, but the last, certainly, of the alphabet. Next month it's Z, and we hope to see, hear, whatever the opposite is of hearing. Where where you hear us. We hope you hear us then. But we don't want to hear from you. Well, we do, but we won't. Like, on social, but because we can ignore that. I mean, to be honest, (laughs) between the two of us, we're barely on social. That's true, that's true. But more of that in our social episode. If you're blue and you don't know where to go to, why don't you go where fashion sits? (coughs) Different types who wear a day coat, pants with stripes, or cutaway coat, perfect fits. (coughs) Dressed up like a million dollar trooper. Trying mighty hard to look like Gary Cooper. Come, let's mix where Rockefellers walk with sticks or rumbarellas in their midst. It's the shortest one I've ever done. Uh, no idea. We'll find out. <laughs> um, I've lost where I am. Well, we're working our way through production. We're talking about sets. Do you want to stop and go again? You might want to cut this bit out. Thank you. Anytime. <laughs>